0: Folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the ambassador of common sense, and I'm here with...
1: Dan, the ambassador of nonsense. Hello, folks.
0: Man, I'm getting huge background noise. Uh, I hope this filters out, uh, folks. Oh, with the Audacity filter? Hopefully we don't have really bad uh, audio quality. Of course, you know, I still have not done last week's show and gotten it online yet.
1: Oh, okay. So I'm kind of you guys might get like, like this might two come right out two row there.
0: weeks from now. I don't know.
1: Yeah, we'll see. All right. Okay. So, so. But today we're
0: talking about what
1: the Holy Trinity. This is this was Trinity those...
0: Sunday, wasn't it? Last week.
1: Yes, yeah. actually, it was. In fact, and and you know what oh, what oh, oh. The, the, what, what was interesting? Um, the I went to mass. Oh, uh, by the way guys let uh, let me just put this out there it was the first time i was able to go to mass in many weeks yeah and i i went to mass and that was i was nice. able to receive communion for the first time in many weeks was it trinity sunday in the
0: Novus Ordo?
1: on the tongue i think so uh because the yeah i think that the sunday after pentecost is trinity sunday okay but here's both.
0: the thing um and this is why i get so excited every trinity sunday Um, Uh Uh-huh. Because, you know the little red books? Yeah. The example for the propers that they use is Trinity Sunday.
1: Oh, so everything matches up. Yeah,
0: so you don't have to print out the uh, other thing. Of course, now all the red books are missing from half the churches because of COVID-19 and they don't have them. But I bought some of my own. You can get them on Amazon for five bucks. They're cheap. Oh. So, um, Get yourself a red book and then you can have that with you and That's just take right. it home.
1: That's right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's not quite the same as a daily missile or a Sunday missile, but for the greater part of the mass, it, you know, it gets you through very nicely. It, if, it's if you're a going to really the good. Latin I mass. Yeah.
0: I, I like, you won't <clears throat> find that translation anywhere because. Right. The Red Book is like a collection of different translations. And I like the translation in the Red Book. Mm-hmm. But I want to throw so that in. Guys,
1: if, if, if anybody's listening to this and you're thinking, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. Send, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> send, send if us you an don't email. go to the Tridentine uh, Mass, the Tridentine you don't Mass, Mass, even know what I'm yeah. talking about. But, but here's the thing. If you do go to the Tridentine Mass, chances are you've seen these Red Books.
0: <laughs> and you're excited as I am. It's like oh yeah, I can right. just I don't need the missile <laughs> I just use the red book,
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. And by the way, um, I guess this coming Sunday um, in the Novus Ordo is that Corpus Christi? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to check that real quick because in the traditional calendar, which I know that I I pray the Divine Office according to the 1960 rubrics uh, in the traditional calendar. Corpus Christi was yesterday, the Thursday following Pentecost. Yeah, but they put it on a Sunday, I think, in the in the the new uh, Novus Ordo calendar. Oh well. Weirdly, my uh, internet connection isn't working. I don't know what the deal is. Nice. I need to go buy okay. some new internet equipment. Hold on, I've got right.
0: two thousand two. Wait a minute, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Uh, what this is.
1: Just say Novus Ordo Corpus Christi and see if it's on the yeah, Sunday know, after Pentecost. Yeah,
0: I got it, but I'm, it's not very well laid out. Okay, June mm. twenty, what? No, June fourteenth. 14? Oh, hey, that's my birthday.
1: Oh, uh, that's right. The most Happy holy birthday, body and blood
0: of Christ. Corpus. That's Christi. it. Corpus Christi. Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay.
1: So it was moved. It used to be on a Thursday, the Thursday after Pentecost, and 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 the new. Uh, calendar it was moved to that Sunday. I guess they wanted to to get more participation in it or something, because even though the feast was on a Thursday and it's a solemnity, um, it wasn't a a day of of obligatory mass attendance. And, and wasn't. maybe they wanted to. It no, was probably
0: think... one of those days that growing up we probably all went to mass on that day. Uh, well, growing up, it you was went on, to a on Sunday school,
1: but it was on it was, Sunday. Oh, okay. The new because we grew up in the new calendar. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So. But
0: I I thought you meant okay. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, it's only the traditional. But they rent, used to the have like calendar. It's, they used to have like, like parades
0: birthday. and stuff, right? They had pr- oh, they would yeah. have oh, processions. They do.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And proceed through the town with the body and blood mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ. And exactly. Have like benediction. Exactly. Uh, it's a well, shame and
1: we a, don't. And in, do and that in fact, much. that's. Um, well, somebody that that I follow on Twitter was was showing. How, I mean, um, I don't know if it's his parish or whatever, but but he was he you know showed like a picture of the Corpus Christi parade and said, hey, here's here's the right kind of protest. We need more of these.
0: I was going to say, if somebody carries a sign and just say, hey, this is a protest.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
0: Not that American bishops would have enough gall to do something like no,
1: that. No, no, no. There's like two but or three anyway. of
0: them. And, okay, but we're going to talk but about this. Very excited to
1: be. Yep, Trinity Sunday. Now, let me let me preface this that there's you know the Trinity is one of those things um, that <clears throat> it can kind of seem um, like it's one of those doctrines that doesn't particularly matter to the daily life of a Christian. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yet, it really does. Matter for the it matters in the way that the church takes the doctrines that have been revealed and and deposited with the church and turns them into the disciplines for the daily life of the Christian uh, it matters in the manner in which we pray and when we pray to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and how we pray to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and so on and so forth
0: so like it matters um, in practicality the way we yeah, worship mean things. It,
1: right. Right. The 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 if if the church doesn't have the trinity right, then the rest of Christian life won't work well. Even the just the daily lives of Christians who may not be into all the theology of it and everything like that. Um, yeah. You so know, it, uh, like I, it, I'm just making a case that it's worth talking about and thinking about. <laughs>
0: If if you go to uh, like those mega churches, uh, mm-hmm. many of them do not have a defined doctrine of any sort.
1: Right. And right.
0: If you hear them talking about Jesus Christ, sometimes you'll hear them talk in a way where it's like open as to whether or not you believe Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's really weird hearing. A, a preaching service from these kinds of places, um, the the songs they sing are usually much more in line with Catholic theology than the Catholic Masses. But the preaching is and always kind of yeah. than the songs, yeah, the, than the liturgical that we, music that we, that pick, that we use right. right now. Yeah, but the uh, the preaching it, it just it comes out kind of weird because. You're left thinking, well, what exactly do you guys believe about Jesus? And what do you That's believe about the Holy Spirit? And it it kind of leaves you scratching your head. And it's obvious that a lot of times the person talking does believe that Jesus is God. But he's he's not going to, quote, push his beliefs on the congregation. The
1: con- oh, okay. Congregation. Congregation, yeah. Because to do so might drive somebody away. I guess and so. They, you know, I mean, a mega church. I mean, just just by definition, that you know. right? It's weird. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, you know, a, a, I don't know if it was one year ago or two years ago. I was at the church that you live a block. The, we, the church we grew up in, uh, Saint Martin's. Saint Martin's, and I went to mass there. It was happened to be on Trinity Sunday. And the pastor, the same guy as the pastor now, um, was giving his sermon. And, um, this was before I had developed the, well, you'll be surprised. Just, just, you know, give, give me a minute. Okay. Uh, this was before I developed the habit. Now, if, if a priest starts going in a direction that I know this is a, a worthless sermon, I tune it out and I just start praying the rosary during the sermon. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and I, I encourage everybody to do that, by the way, at Massive, you know. And when I say worthless, I don't mean that he's a bad speaker. I mean that where it's clear that he's going in a direction that has nothing to do with expounding on the deposit of faith or the meaning of the scriptures or where it's clear that he doesn't really believe, you know, the solid teachings of the church. Right. And and you'll you'll come across priests that are like that. Or you know that he what? thinks I, that sermons have to be psychological rather than religious.
0: I would put in something here. Um, uh huh. I have, I have a weird hearing system. I I just don't hear properly, um, and it's hard to explain what my ears pick up and what they don't. And they do not pick up conversation very well, and especially when there's an echo. And it's probably been. Uh, Ten years since I've really heard an actual homily, the whole thing. Because
1: <laughs> it's in a most, big stone yeah. room with an echo and... <laughs> if it's a
0: really good speaker with a deep voice who's mm-hmm. at just the right volume, I can make things out. But most of the okay. time, I can only make out a word here and a word there. So, So the sermon
1: uh, is like the most useless part of the Mass for you.
0: Right, and I just... I just, I usually either, I, I usually just kind of meditate on, on, I, I just kind of pray silently. Uh, I should, well, you know what? take a rosary with me and start saying the rosary. You should
1: yeah, just pull it out, uh, folks. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, uh, which is not so much of a secret, but I think a lot of priests today would would prefer that it stay a secret. The sermon, yeah. the homily, they call it these days is the least significant and least important part of the mass. Yeah. Period. You could skip it completely and you've still got the whole mass. Yeah. Okay. That that's it's and in fact the um I and I've I've heard this only by listening I learned this by listening to uh, the, uh Taylor Marshall's show uh, when the, the traditional in the traditional mass when the priest would give the sermon there's a, um, I think it's called a maniple. It's a cloth that he wears over his arm. And it, it's a, it, it's like, it signifies a cleaning cloth, like a servant would have to clean, you know, yeah. things around or the shoes of his master or whatever. Um, and it signifies the priest as being, you know, the servant of the servants of God. And, and it, it signifies his role as a priest while he offers mass in the person of christ uh when he gives the sermon uh what i uh heard taylor marshall describe is that in the traditional mass when the priest gives the sermon he removes the maniple and sets it aside because he's no longer acting as a priest he's acting oh. in the the somewhat in the teaching role of the church but he's not acting in that elevated role of the priest in persona christi offering the sacrifice of the Son to the Father. And yeah, so I'm, stepping down I noticed from that there's, role.
0: A, uh, there's a change of garb when... Uh, I, I noticed them doing that in the uh, Tridentine Mass. I, I mm-hmm. don't pay attention to what he's doing. I just noticed that there's a change of garb. They they take something off and do something and then put it back on after the homily. Uh, right. I didn't know why, but now I do.
1: And but, that's, you know, so... But, but anyway I should the say sermon, something
0: I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, okay here's the thing um and I think for a lot of people the homily is of a different importance and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it depends on your your own personal relationship with Christ because there was a time in my uh in my my in my position as a Christian that I absolutely needed the homily. And every week I would go to uh, church and and eventually every day I would go to church with some kind of question burning in my heart. And it seemed like a lot of times God spoke to me through the homily. And, um, and, and that kind of, that kind of went on for like a year straight until, uh, I had built up my relation. I had, um, I don't know what the right word here is, I, I fortified myself, and I was stronger as a Christian, and it just seemed to stop all at once,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and oh, okay. for like 10 years, it seemed like, I thought, God's not talking to me anymore, and and then I stopped hearing homilies altogether, so it didn't matter if he did, was or not, because I wouldn't hear it.
1: You weren't but, hearing it.
0: <laughs> um, I think for people very young in their relationship, uh, they might look at the homily as one of the more important parts, because it's, it's the one part that, that could be different every week, and they might get something out of it, because Maybe they have burning questions, and maybe God does speak to them that way. But uh, they shouldn't be surprised if that stops happening as they grow right. in their relationship with Christ.
1: Well, not only that, but you know, in today's society, uh, and this this is a, a aspect of of society that makes it perhaps more critical. And, and I would say a priest has a responsibility to make his homilies more direct, more fully Catholic, more true orthodox to the deposit of faith yeah. uh, because of this. To, in today's society, that one hour-ish on weekends may be the only encounter— with any formal aspect of church that a lot of people get, yeah um, I mean even though the availability is is has exploded because of the internet, I mean you can go on the internet and you can you can probably find videos of of sermons by the various priests who have have been part of say mother angelica 's network and uh, you know and all yeah. kinds of wonderful sermons that are just. There for the edification of the faithful, but people don't go get that. Instead, they get their little dose of 10-minute talk during that one hour of Sunday Mass obligation, and that's the only time they get. Because of that, I would say it's not that the homily should be treated— Excuse me, I'm going to cough. It's not that the homily should be treated um, or seen or understood as being a more important part of the Mass— but priests should definitely treat the homily as an opportunity to reach those people for whom this is their only catechesis yeah and they should they should make use of that time and not squander it with with meaningless stuff
0: yeah which most so, priests do nowadays. end up doing
1: Exactly. I mean, yeah, how many times you go to mass and priests end up telling, you know, like some personal story about their family life and you're wondering, Well, what is the point of this? Oh the okay, the point is that different families are different. don't uh, know whatever. Yeah, What's that got to do was, with you know he was hoping like just that. to make
0: it, everyone laugh?
1: Or something. Exactly. So anyway, um okay. I was at Sorry. Mass. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I was at Mass at Saint Martin's. And so uh the father is, is giving his sermon and he's describing the Holy Trinity in terms of God's interaction with the world. Okay. So a interaction of father to children, uh, in both encouragement and admonition. All right. Yeah. An interaction of, uh, brotherhood. God as, you know, God, the son became one of us. He's our brother. He through him, we become adopted sons of the Father, that means we're adopted brothers of Christ right um and so that uh that sort of camaraderie of brotherhood, and then the Holy Spirit, I forget what exactly he said about the Holy Spirit, anyway, he went through his and that was pretty much he took ten minutes to say it but 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 that was pretty much all he said during the whole homily mm-hmm. he didn't get into anything that that you could call truly theological. So I approached him after mass and I said, "Hey father, I just wanted to ask you, it sounded from your homily like you were saying that the Trinity is actually a expression of the manif- different ways in which God manifests himself to us." He said, "Well, I think yes, that's a part of it, I think, so yes." I said, "And not a truth about the interior life of the Godhead. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, I was not implying that the Trinity is not a reality of the interior life of God. That would be a heresy. Okay? So, the point is, exactly, that it, sometimes, if you hear things from priests that sound strange, it's not because they're preaching heresy as such. It's just because They didn't realize that something was missing from what they were saying. Yeah. And I would take, say that, even though I'm springboarding it into a discussion of the Trinity, I'm also going to make the side note. If you hear something funny from your priest or a priest where you're visiting the parish. Or us. Or, yeah, or from us. (laughs) Talk, talk to him afterwards, okay? Because he may surprise you. Now, he may honk you off and say, well, yeah, of course. Uh, and this church's formulaic, uh, you know, expression of this, I think, is worthless and bogus. And okay, yeah, and 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 in that case, you know, to write the priest off, at least in terms of his teachings and homilies, yeah. Um, but it's worth approaching priests, okay, and and they're just people, and and they're trying to convey a message. They don't always know that the full message is getting across. Yeah. All right. So, about the Trinity, uh, yeah, we have this thing, and there's so many uh, ways that you can talk about the Trinity, um, and every one of them seems to be lacking. Uh, there, you know, so many ways you can talk about the Trinity incorrectly, or at least it's, well, okay, yeah, that's correct, but if you call that the whole story, then it's incorrect. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, we, we say the mystery of the Trinity is three persons in one God. Okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean uh, three guys get together? I mean, God's not really a single person. Instead, it's three persons. It's like as if you and me and Jason got together and and we decided we're going to run the family. We're, we're the family's version of God. And the three of us get together and talk things out and figure out, you know. Yeah. That would be it, when you say three persons in one God, you might get that impression. It's not like that. The, the, the Trinity is a unity of three persons of same substance. If you and, and, and Jason and I got together, we wouldn't be of the same substance. We'd be different substances. We're different, you know, our souls are separated and our bodies are separated and so on and so forth. But we say three persons in one God in unity. Uh, he's undivided God. Well, wait a minute, if he's undivided, then how do you talk about him being three persons? And this is where it just kind of, in a way it breaks down, but in another way it invites into a wonderful depth of mystery, um, that I think is even meant to be expressed by God in how he made humans, uh, you know, especially male and female, um, but also, you know, just in terms of people being together. I mean, God made us as social beings. We're meant to interact with each other. We're meant to accomplish things together. We're meant to be part of something that's composed of us, but that is also more than just the group. You know, it's more than just the the selection of individuals. You know, whether you're talking about a... a, um, you know, like a, a a charity club or a a commerce club or uh, Alcoholics Anonymous support group, whatever it is, it's something that's more than just the individual people in it, but it can't exist without the individual people in it. You know, it's and and yeah. God made us for that, and that concept, uh, and that reality that that we kind of learn and live in. Can be a hint, a sort of a a inkling towards the interior life of God that He wants to reveal to us, and which I'll talk about later, in which He wants us to ultimately participate.
0: So it seems to be like almost almost every teaching in the church seems to kind of hint at the Trinity in a different aspect, and. Mm-hmm. uh gives you just another little nugget of understanding, even though right. you never really get the whole nugget.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, there are, you know, some volumes that have been written uh, about the Trinity, and and there are theological models, and, and I'll talk about, you know, the, a particular theological model that, that I think works pretty well. But again, it, it's, it's an attempt to express within the, the, the limitations of, of human comprehension, something that is not comprehensible completely. Uh, It's not exhaustively comprehensible by humans. Um, There's an anecdote. I don't know whether it's true or not of, of St. Augustine, um, Walking along, he you know he had been contemplating the Trinity. He was trying to get an understanding of the Trinity, he was trying to wrap his mind around it and and figure yeah. out what is this mystery. Um, and he's walking along the beach, and and he comes across you know while he's thinking about this, he comes across a boy who has dug a little hole in the sand in the beach, and the boy's got you know um, uh, a basket or or you know a, some a wicker bucket or whatever it is they used back then. And he's going in and scooping up water from the sea and pouring it in the hole and going back and scooping it from the sea and pouring it in the hole. And of course, each time he pours it in the hole, the, you know, it dissolves into the hole and through the sand and that kind of stuff. But Augustine, you know, comes upon him and says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm taking the ocean, the water from the ocean, and I'm, I'm going to move it from there into this hole that I've dug. And Saint Augustine says, well, isn't it obvious to you that that's impossible? You can't do that. You'll never accomplish it. The boy says, well, it's no more impossible than it is for you to understand the Holy Trinity. And at that point, the boy, at that point, the boy disappears. Uh, Like I said, it's an anecdote. I don't know whether it's true or not. Um, but
0: But it demonstrates something. It's
1: true in the sense of, yeah, what it's getting across. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that we should despair of thinking about the Holy Trinity. It doesn't mean, you know it it means that we can never exhaust the understanding of the Holy Trinity. It's an infinite mystery, but it doesn't mean that we can't have any understanding of the Holy Trinity uh, or any um, idea. Uh, even a analogic idea of what it means to participate in the life of the Trinity or, or to to get some kind of of um, nugget on which we can meditate on what our destiny is if if we you know live and die in the Lord in relation to the Trinity and I think a you know a good place to start if if we want to start talking about it is in the, uh, creed that we say at mass every Sunday,
0: um. Which changed in 2011. You remember they used to say one in being?
1: Oh, okay. With let the me, father. let me, let's talk about that for a minute, uh, because there may be people out there Which who don't wrong. really, uh, really understand what happened. So there is a creed, the Nicene Creed. It's, uh, the, the traditional, it, the creed itself, as the Latin church uses it is um is the one developed at at um Nicaea um is that the is it Nicaea or nice? Council Nicaea Council of Nicaea. Okay the Council of Nicaea. I've always said the
0: Council of Nicaea.
1: Alright, so let's call it that. So Um, developed at Nicaea and, and, and it, the, some aspects of it were were developed in order to specifically combat a particular heresy there. It's, it's nearly identical to a creed that is older than that. And in the Greek versions of that creed, which are in use in both the Greek Catholic rites like Byzantine and in, uh, like the Orthodox church and stuff like that, um, there's a little bit of a difference, and I'll get to that difference later because it has to do with the Trinity. But this creed is as it was, and even in the Latin uh, text of the Mass, the Novus Ordo Mass, continues to be the same as it was throughout the centuries um, and has never been changed. Now, when the Novus Ordo Mass was, was uh, introduced, and the church also said hey let's get together some some various uh, vernacular translations throughout the world and that kind of stuff and a committee was formed to do the english translations and they put together and i it would not be unfair uh to say they slapped together <laughs> a translation yeah and the church uh which was under this sort of um uh, Weird eagerness to just, just you know, get all this, this wonderful vernacularism out there into the world. They kind of approved things, almost, you know, almost rubber stamping stuff as it went through. I You know, maybe there was a thing here or there that they said, oh, no, you got to, you know, change that, whatever. So anyway, that's the, that's, all these translations got rubber that's stamped. That's the
0: least uh, uh, combative way to put this. Least uncharitable? It, it, it could... <laughs> It could be that it wasn't rubber stamped; that it was very specifically... There was some
1: intentional, yeah, mistranslated. Intentional, uh, yeah, could be, could be. Um, so anyway, back in uh, as you said, around 2011, I think the the um, the decision and, and the um, the work might have even begun a little bit before this, but uh, some focus was brought to the English translation of of the mass, and people said you know the the Vatican finally realized you know what uh the the uh, international what is it the ICEL international committee on english in the liturgy they really like botched the translation from yeah. latin to english they they just you know I think they, this was they uh benedict they, the 16th right the 16th at the, yeah that i i think there might have even been a little bit of movement in that direction under jp2 i don't know but, but, by point Cardinal is, Ratzinger. Like, you know what? That's, that's probably true. And, and so the idea is, you know, the, these guys, they're supposed to be, uh, you know, PhDs in Latin and, and, and they turned out, uh, sophomore grade work. Yeah. Uh, if you, you could think of it that way. Okay. Like, like I said, slapped together. So the church basically told the ICEL, uh, you know, you turned in a rotten assignment, go back and redo the assignment, Uh, fix it. Um, And so the ICEL went and they made a bunch of changes to the English version of the mass. And even after that, there was some back and forth between them and the Vatican. And finally they settled on what they have now. Um, One of the big significant changes was the creed. And uh, that's, so I wanted to make this point that in terms of the in terms of what we were attempting to say which is the same credo that has been used in centuries that didn't change it's it's not like the church decided oh we need to update our creed it's just that the church told the english speaking uh countries of the world you need to fix how you are Expressing your creed right. in English so that it actually matches the real creed that we use in the Mass.
0: Because they, when out of Vatican II and out of the Novus Order, they gave us this creed, and the creed was in Latin, and yes. it was the same one that's always been used. It's just that the translators translated incorrectly, and then in 2011, they finally fixed it.
1: Yeah. So that's. Just want to make that clear to everybody. So, uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, they also
0: changed the words of consecration, which someday we're going to have to have a, we, uh, we gotta have a, a the, about, discussion. we got to have that discussion. Because we have differing right. opinions on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not not differing opinions on, on, on the need to change it, but just on the implications the, of what happened of, and, prior to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay, the creed. On. And what I, I, I pray a lot of stuff in Latin and I, I took three years of Latin in high school and have done a lot of Latin praying and stuff since then. So, um, I, I will, I, I will speak in Latin first and then English some of the times here. So forgive me those of you who don't feel like you need to know, know all that. But anyway, um, the creed starts with the Father. The creed actually progresses through the the summary of the Catholic faith regarding the Holy Trinity. At, you know, it's like that's the yeah. First, there's like three
0: parts. Two, two part thirds the of Father, the creed,
1: yeah. A part or about the, the Son,
0: Son, and then they go into the Holy Spirit.
1: Right, and then the Catholic Church and stuff like that. So right. it starts out, "Credo in unum Deum, Patrem omnipotentem." That's I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Uh, and it it goes on to say he created heaven and earth, all things visible and invisible, whether you know you can see them or not. Uh, all things are created by the Father. Now, you know, okay, that's one of the things it,
0: about that is it's it's not just that the physical things around us were created by him; the very foundation of the world, the the physics behind it, atomic structure. Uh, yeah, it's
1: it's not like gravity you everything. He didn't build the world out of building blocks. Uh, you know, he the created spatial reality, spatial dimensions, the flow of time, all of it exists because of him. It it it's it is a act of creation by him. Um yeah. and the spiritual beings, the angels and so forth. Right. Now, the next I deal with so that's Pretty much what they say about the Father. That's it, <laughs> uh, and and in that they express the you know they're expressing he is the principle of existence of everything. Uh, so then they say et in unum dominum Jesum Christum, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, filium uh, Dei, the Son of God, unigenitum, uh, only begotten. So the Son of God only be the only be we say only begotten Son of the Father. Um. Or and actually, we say only begotten Son of God now, don't we?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, ex patre natum ante omnia secula. So ex patre from the Father, natum uh, begotten or born, ante omnia secula, before all time. Now, this is a this is one that people struggle. With. Well, before all time, what does it mean to be before time? What it really means when we say ante here. We say before all time. We don't mean before in a chronological sense. We mean before in a, in a sense of precedence that um, a, there's a, a, uh, a hierarchical primacy of the son and his begottenness of the father. It's before everything else. Um, it's primary to everything else rather than thinking in terms of, of just mere chronology. Uh, now, here's where this becomes clarified. Deum De Deo, God from God. Lumen De Lumine, light from light. Deum Verum De Deo Vero, true God from true God. Genitum non factum. In other words, born, not made, or, or generated, not made, Consubstantialum Patri of the same substance of the Father or uh, the word same isn't in there per, per se it consubstantialum is, is consubstantial uh, con means with with the substance of the father. So he's generated that of was, the father with the father's same substance.
0: That was the cha- the big change in the English is it used to mm-hmm. say one in being with the Father. When right. Christ is not one in being with the Father, he's consubstantial with the right. Father.
1: Right, right, right. One in being could... It's it's both vague and very possibly it, incorrect. In, you right, know, in it, it almost you leads to
0: the wrong understanding of it.
1: Right. Now, here's the thing about this. Uh, what they're proposing here is a... That the son is, they talk about in English. They use the word begotten uh, or born. Um, I think I think in the the official English uh, they say only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, uh, God from God, Light from Light, begotten, not made, and that's the key. The Father didn't create the Son. The Son is generated of the Father, begotten of the Father. This begottenness is part of the interior eternal nature of the Godhead, of God himself. Part of his eternal nature is the existence of the Son of his same substance. This is where it gets into mystery. We don't right. have any uh, things of this world that we can compare. I mean, we have things of this world that we can give partial comparisons. Um, you know, right. we can talk uh, about like a, the words t- a were candle.
0: chosen to bring us closer to the understanding, but they weren't chosen to. Uh, they were more chosen to tell us what God is not than or
1: what, what He the Trinity is. Exactly, is not. exactly. That's the point. The big point here is that the Son is not created by the Father. Uh, yeah. Which is, you know, this, this was the, the defense of the faith against Arianism. Uh, Arianism was a heresy that claimed that the Son was created, that the Son was not God, uh, that the Son was the first of creation, but was nonetheless created similar in substance to the Father, but not consubstantial, not made with the Father's substance. Um,
0: this is the, uh, the heresy where Santa Claus became a badass and beat up some guy.
1: (laughs) He punched him in the nose. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, was that Arius or was that Nestorius that he punched in the nose? (laughs) I I don't (laughs) think it
0: was Arius. Um, but he had, there was a council and, and everybody's at the council, including St. Nicholas. And this guy gets up and talks about how Jesus is a being who is created by the Father. And Nicholas oh, said, I didn't legend? go through all of this.
1: No, the legend is that he punched Arius in the nose.
0: Arius? Okay. Yeah, it Arius himself. It was the actual the, person the who created them. <laughs> and uh, he, he punched right. him and say, I, I didn't go through all of this for just another being who was created. Uh, another creature I, I went through this for god
1: right right so <laughs> okay now and then we have this this line perquem omnia facta sunt perquem from through whom omnia facta sunt uh all things are were made um it's interesting in the english it says through whom well okay that it could be uh, I guess I, it,
0: uh, in mass. We say
1: all things uh, were made by
0: whom? All things were made in not
1: the... by whom? Through whom? So, because we said before, yeah. the Father created all things. All th- you know, uh, factorem um all thi- uh, he, the creator of the Factorum, creator of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible. But all things were made through the Son. So. It is part of our creed that all of creation, time, space, matter, uh, souls, us, angels, all of creation is an act of the Father working through the Son. Yeah. This is going to come up later when I'm talking about something else. Okay. Now, here's... uh, and then it it goes into the incarnation uh, in the next part of the creed. And I don't need to talk too much about that because my purpose isn't to talk about the humanity of Christ. It's to talk about the interior reality of the Trinity. But, but uh, you know, okay. who for us men and our salvation came down from heaven, was made flesh by the Holy Spirit from the Virgin Mary, uh, crucified, suffered, buried, rose again, ascended into heaven, Will come in glory to judge the living and the dead, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So that's kind of the rest of the sun. Um, now here's the next part. Here is where it gets kind of interesting because here's where there is a departure from the Greek version of this creed, and and I think both in the um, the Catholic Greek rites like Byzantine as well as uh, the Orthodox. And the Orthodox Church take this as a point of contention with the Roman um, Church. They actually, some people say that their belief and our belief are compatible. It's just a semantic question of understanding a word here. But let me bring up the point and and get to the point where this is going to, you know, so I can start explaining what I'm talking about. Um. So after it talks about, you know, Christ um, going to come to judge the living and the dead and, and uh, of his kingdom, there's no end. Then we say, et in spiritum sanctum, and in the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about what we believe. So the first word of the creed is credo, and we're yeah. going all the way back to that. What do we believe? We believe in the Holy Spirit. And in the Holy Spirit, dominomet vivificantum, Lord and giver of life. Qui, it, this is the interesting part, qui ex patre filioque procedit. Filioque is the word that, or the, the e- Greek equivalent of which, is missing from the Greek texts of this creed. Uh, so that when we talk about it in English, we say who proceeds from the father and the son. In the Greek, they say who proceeds from the father. Now, here's there's two kind of um, ways of understanding this. And and some people will say that this semantic difference is why there's a difference in language. Um, suppose you are... Uh, okay, you've got a son, okay? And suppose you're going to go um, and... You want to, you know, toss ball with your son while you have maybe a conversation about something. Maybe, maybe you need an opportunity to, to, I don't know, talk about the birds and the bees or something, right? So you say, Hey, let's go yeah. out and toss, let's, let's toss football or let's grab your glove. We're going to toss baseball. So you go outside and, and what you've done is you've, as the father, you have initiated an interaction with your son it's a conversation and an activity and you know you toss the ball and then he tosses it back and so everything and, and you bring up the topic of conversation he may ask questions or he may merely you know accept and receive and understand but everything is initiated from you okay, okay. but as a activity both the conversational activity and the physical activity of tossing the ball, that activity uh, is a uh, collaboration between you and your son. So, in one sense, you could say the activity proceeds from you, and in another sense, you can say it proceeds from you and your son. You see what I mean? Okay. So the 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 Greek uh, Catholics and the Orthodox. Uh, Christians, focus on the first sense, the sense in which you would say that this activity proceeds from you, the father. You're the first principle of it. You're the initiator of it. Uh, The Roman church, in order to, again, combat the heresy of Arius and establish the uh, co-equality of the son and the father. And I think there's another element here that I haven't heard brought up in any, you know, discussions. It's biblical and I'll bring it up later. Focus it on the second aspect of it. The fact that, uh, the idea of this activity as being a cooperation of the father and the son. And I think that's a really good way of seeing it. Um, if, if we go back to the beginning, And, and here's where I'm going to talk about the model of the Trinity that theologians have kind of developed over the centuries that I think makes a lot of sense. Again, it's just a model. It's imperfect. We can never exhaust the reality of the Trinity in human language. It's eventually we will be able to experience the Trinity and that's, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. But, uh, the model is this. Uh, You've got the father and the father uh, inherently as part of his nature has this awareness of himself, this, this knowledge. And this knowledge is so complete and is so inherent to his, his own existence that it itself is a person distinct from the person of the father but of the same substance because it's a person who is the very knowledge which itself is a inherent part of the same father. And so it's of the same substance, but a different person. And that's what the son is. And this makes a lot of sense biblically because... Uh, when we think about knowledge, we think about the word, the Greek word uh, we often use as logos. We look at the beginning of the Gospel of John. It says in the beginning, in the first place, in, p- in the primary principle was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is almost like a, you know, it's like St. John, you know, writing back in the first century Uh, You know, of course, he was the beloved of the Lord. I mean, they probably had conversations that went deeper in theology than any with any of the other apostles. And here he is expressing the son uh, and the son's existence, his nature, his relationship with the father in a way that that, you know, basically in 2000 years of theological thought, we haven't really been able to get far past that. Right. Right but the fact that it's expressed so directly there by by John the evangelist and John the apostle i think we can rely on it you know this the the son yeah. is the word of the father and of course that's where we get you know into the the whole uh we talked uh, a couple podcasts ago about this sort of identity between christ and scriptures because christ clearly defined by St. John the Word of the Father and we call scriptures the Word of God. The Word of God. Well, that that means that there is not merely a relationship between them, but a a sort of identity uh, between them. a, A mysterious identity, a mystical identity, but I think an identity nonetheless. But then we come to this Holy Spirit thing. It's like, okay, so if you take If you take the Greeks and don't allow any aspect of filioque, any aspect of and the son, in terms of the Holy Spirit's procession, um, you have this idea, well, then what is the difference between procession and generation? What's the difference between proceeding and begottenness? Okay, you're hard-pressed to to find a distinction between what we're saying the son is in terms of the interior life of the Godhead and what we're saying the Holy Spirit is, if they both yeah, merely like come the from the Father, Holy
0: Spirit is just another
1: son. Exactly, and clearly, I, I mean, I think it's fairly clear in in Revelation and in the Scriptures um, that this is not what is going on, and I'll talk about that in a minute too. But the the model that that at least roman theologians i don't know how orthodox theologians would would respond to this um but the the western theologians the model they have is kind of like what i described about the the initiation of a conversation and and an activity between father and son the father and the son. Initiating, Being initiated by the Father, but nonetheless fully participated by, participated by both of them, are engaged in this relationship of, of complete self-gift and of complete love that is so perfect that it actually is a third person and represents the love um, invitation of God to all the rest of creation to participate in. That's why, that's why the Holy Spirit is so mysterious in terms of how we think of Him. We, you know, we, it's like we pray to the Holy Spirit, but it's like, well, what is, what does it actually mean to pray to the Holy Spirit? We have a lot clearer idea of praying to the Son or praying to the Father. Um, but, but the Holy Spirit in, in in terms of action, well, you know, it's like He inspires, He's a paraclete, He's a help, a counselor, you know, um, yeah. but that's exactly the point that, that the Holy Spirit is the person whose reality is the relationship between the Father and the Son in this theological model. Uh, okay. and it's a relationship of perfect love and perfect fidelity. And I think that's what we're in a sense invited into in the mass uh now I'll come back to that, but I want to talk for a minute about why I think it's important uh cause i I recently heard a uh conversation um a podcast uh between it was uh Matt Fred having a guest uh on his show father uh McLaughlin I think um And Father McLaughlin is a, um, uh, I I forget exactly what right he is. He's, he's, he's not Byzantine, but, but he's, he's one of those other rights.
0: Marianite?
1: Not, I mean, it's a much smaller right than, than, than any of those. Um, but anyway, fully Catholic in union with Rome, but he, he has a lot of, of, you know, he, he gets the Orthodox sensibilities and that kind of stuff so he can speak for them but he also yeah. has a personal opinion that you know understanding that this you know the filioque versus the non-filioque and how uh in and and even the the latin proceed the the latin verb is procedit. uh i i don't know what the Greek word is, but he's saying that the words themselves in Latin and in Greek have slightly different meanings that make it a little more difficult to say. And the son in Greek, whereas in the Latin, it, the meaning of, of proceed English and portrayed to Latin uh, allows more naturally for the inclusion of man, the son, but he's, he is of the opinion that we ought to get rid of the filioque even from the Latin and go with the, Older Greek formula. Here's why I don't think that's right. If you look at Christ and everything that he says throughout the gospel, he talks about his words, his actions being directed to and received from the Father. He says, I say only what the Father has given me to say. In other words, and, and when he talks to his apostles, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, the Father can send the Son because the Son is begotten of the Father. The Son, here's where, even though there's a co-equality inside the Godhead of the persons, there's also a a sort of a, uh, I don't want to say a non-co-equality, but the father can send the son because the son is begotten of the father the son could not send the father in the same manner okay it would be okay. unfitting for the son to say i'm sending the father in a way that it's perfectly fitting for the father to say i'm sending the son At least and in, in our you see understanding... what i'm talking about it? or you yeah. see what i'm talking about
0: okay and then for for the son to it, it's not like uh but the son did kind of send the holy spirit
1: he and not only sent he's not only kind of said, he said i am going to send you a gift a paraclete he will show all things to you right open your eyes to all truth so the son is sending the holy spirit so if the holy spirit did not pr- does not proceed from the son we should use the the active um uh, present tense for these things. The Son is begotten mm-hmm. of the Father, not was begotten. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, not proceeded from the Father and the Son. But if the Holy Spirit does not proceed from the Son, then how can the Son send the Holy Spirit? Um, right. And in fact, I what I, I need to go, I'm going to verify what I'm saying right here so that people don't call me out as wrong and embarrass me. Uh, okay. I'm I'm going to look up Acts, right at the beginning of Acts.
0: And while you're doing that, um, uh huh, the 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 uh, the way in which these things are revealed to us is kind of a a demonstration of the reality of it. We 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 knew about the Father long before we knew about the Son. We knew that there was something coming. And we had a little bit of understanding about the Holy Spirit, but in, in the Old Testament, there's just the Father. And then mm-hmm. he sends the Son. And so we, we get the Son at that point in history. And then, uh, a- after the Son leaves, then we get the Holy Spirit. And one, right. each one proceeding from the other.
1: Now I'm I'm going to uh, eat a little bit of crow here. Now I'm I'm reading the uh, the revised um, standard version Catholic edition, and what it actually says is: so when they had come together, they asked, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has fixed by His own authority, but." You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth uh, and then he was lifted up into heaven, so it doesn't say I will send you uh, another a gift a paraclete uh, as I thought, unless he says that at the end of one of the gospels that um, that i'm you know forgetting about so um but I thought I remember reading it that way somewhere.
0: Well, let's pause for a second and...
1: Okay, I'm, I'm typing in, I will send you a help. Oh, John fourteen sixteen. 16. Uh, okay. So, in well, some... I
0: send to, unto you from the Father.
1: Right. The I will send unto you from the Father. Me. So, and that's in the Gospel of John. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Revised Standard Edition, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Um, I will not leave you desolate. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will also live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then he says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Here's another key part of why I think Filioque is important. Jesus answered him, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. So notice it's all through Jesus for us. He will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Well, we, the father and the son, coming and making our home in him, that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So it's clear that the Holy Spirit is not uh in terms of his reality in terms of his coming to the world and coming to the church is not something distinct from the sun i mean it's not something that can be separated from the sun the sun uh and and there are other translations of of the bible uh of that version of john um as you read, there I will are, send you a helper a from the Father. There are quite a few spots
0: that yeah. that seem to indicate that the Holy Spirit does proceed from the Father and the Son. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> I remember looking up this question a long time ago when I got in an argument with a uh,
1: with an Orthodox. Orthodox. Oh no kidding. And
0: uh, I I remember looking it up back then, and I couldn't quote you all the different scriptural uh, parts, but. But there are quite a few that indicate this. Some right. of them, even in the Old Testament.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there's a um,
0: and I, I think to to just take that out of the creed would and, and for for the purpose of reuniting the church would be kind of watering mistake. down what we have. Yeah,
1: right, right. I think it would be more fitting, even though I don't think it. I don't think. The Pope should force this on the Catholic on the Greek Catholics, but I think with all the development that we have today, and all and and everything that we know and understand about the Son and 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 the nature of the Church as the body of Christ, um, and the uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, and so on and so forth. I think it would actually be more fitting for the Greeks to say, you know, what we're go- we're going to modify our creed to include, yeah. the sun. Um, but I, you know, I, 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 you know, their their formula is ancient. It's even more ancient than the Nicene formula that we use. I wouldn't be in favor of just kind of taking a hammer and forcing them to do it. Uh, by right. hammer, I mean a gavel. You know, um, yeah. So anyway. Um, the other thing that I think is kind of, um, kind of goes to this is the idea of the mass. So if you think about the mass, uh, and it's, you can kind of go, go through the different layers. On the one hand, okay, we receive the body and blood of Christ. But why? Well, because that's what Christ offered to the father at the last supper he he took the bread said this is my body which is offered for you take it need it and then the same with the wine changing it to his blood so this body and blood of Christ is being offered to the father and that offering is then fulfilled in you know when when he gives up his real body in death on the cross yeah but Christ is the son And it's the same one person, whether you're talking about his divinity, which has no body, or his humanity that has body and blood and a human soul. And it's the nature of the person of the Son to give everything to the Father. This is the the eternal nature of the interior life of God, is this eternal gift. In fact, it's almost like there's, you know... It's almost like when you read some of the words of Jesus, you know, you know, like when, when he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, his father, I give you thanks. You know, uh, I know you always give me what I ask. I say this for the sake of those here. Um, and, and you see these other parts of the gospels where Jesus is talking to the father and giving to the father and, and saying, you know, you have given me this. You know, I'm going to glorify you with it, and it's almost as if the Father and the Son are in this sort of like like friendly, gamish competition to to sort of you know one up each other in the gift to the other. There's 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 this just yeah. this this infinite, eternal gift between the two. But if we just if it's true, as we just kind of surmised a few minutes ago, that this this eternal gift of love between the two is what is at the heart of the reality of the Holy Spirit as a person, then that means when we receive the body and blood of Jesus at Mass, being given to the Father as a union with Christ's already ongoing eternal gift of himself to the Father, that means that our participation in Mass is actually a... Union with the Holy Spirit Himself.
0: Yeah, it's um, if
1: we but if the enter Holy Spirit, into that
0: relationship because right. we 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 become sons and daughters of of the Father, brothers and sisters of Christ, and we kind of dive into that relationship through the Holy Spirit, right? As we as we uh, partake in the Eucharist.
1: And yeah, especially at Mass. And if the Holy Spirit proceeds only from the Father and not from the Son, if the Holy Spirit is not, if it's not correct to think of the Holy Spirit as the, 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 uh, I don't want to say personification because that implies not a real person. If, if it's not correct yeah. to think of the Holy Spirit as the, um, the, the, uh, the, the person Culination. reality, the personal reality of the interaction of the Father and the Son, then that means our participation in Mass, which is a union with the Son as a gift to the Father, is not itself also a participation in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it kind of leaves you, him out. You see what out. I mean? It, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's where it becomes, uh, a lot more effective and i think it's it's more edifying for the faithful especially those who want to sort of get this this idea this understanding of oh wait a minute yeah the holy spirit is important he's the life of the church to have this concept that the holy spirit proceeds from the father and the son um yeah. Now, that's, you know, I focused a lot of time on that as a sort of an argument as, uh, you know, as though we had like a orthodox person here that, that we might be arguing against. We, um, but, but I think the greater importance is, is trying to realize that this, this mystery of unification of being, unification of substance, uh, while distinction of persons within the Godhead it's a interior reality of God. It's not just something that He manifests to the world, and it's it's a life that we're called into. Uh, this this perfect, ecstatic, full uh, union, unit of expression of love um, that exists within the Godhead is is something and a fruitful union. It's through the Son that that all that was created is created. And so we're called into that. Uh, who knows whether, you know, if, as we enter into the mystery of, of union with the Holy Trinity, which, you know, we call that the beatific vision, um, you know, one of the really exciting things to think about for me is, are we also going to be allowed to enter into a participation of creation itself? You know what I mean? Uh, is oh, there some aspect yeah. in which we get to actually be co-creators with Christ. I mean, we already get to be a little bit on this earth. I mean, we have children. When we have, you know, a child, when we make right. a baby, the, the, there's an eternal soul. We, we just participated in, you know, creation in a way that has eternal consequences. Um, yeah. But is it going to be even deeper than that as, you know, when, when we enter into our reward in heaven? Um, so
0: this... This mystery that we cannot understand, um, are, are we going to understand it? Are we going to have a complete understanding of it when we are in heaven?
1: And you know, that's the other thing that I think is, um, exciting. Um,
0: you know how I, I, you you know how I think of it. Um, we, we get to, uh, Okay, just our lives here on Earth, you've seen those nature shows. It seems like you could keep studying nature and never run out of cool things. Yeah. Cool and new and and interesting things, and you can keep learning about it and learning about it and never stop learning about it.
1: Right, and unexpected things. Right. Yeah.
0: And it seems as though we're going to be able to do that about the Trinity which will be even more exciting because we'll have a a better view of it, you might say. Yeah, eternally, <laughs> forever. Yeah.
1: I, I think your analogy uh, shows how you're a lot more of a, a dynamic person than I am because I was. Why is that? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you know, you remember, you know, a couple times when when we were younger and 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 you know we we'd go and visit these caves and stuff, you know the. the the, the ones oh, that are yeah. on our own, yeah. you know, and we go ex- cave exploring. Well, think of like Mammoth Cave, for example, you know, this huge cave system. Uh, but, but it's, think of like this huge cave system, but there's only a few parts you can get to and there's barriers to the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, now imagine that the cave system actually goes on forever and there's infinite number of nooks and infinite number of caverns and infinite number of tunnels and waterfalls and rivers yeah. and so on and so forth. But there's these barriers, so you don't know about all that. You only have a little bit of it that you can get into, and then you meet these barriers. Um, it's kind of like that with human understanding, and then when we enter into eternity, the barriers are gone. We can never exhaust it because it's infinite, but we can go everywhere. And so we have right. full access. Like It's like we have full access to the Trinity, and yet it's inexhaustible. Um, but you know, a cave is, is, you know, okay, it's cool, but it's, it's kind of static and dry compared to nature and life and stuff like that.
0: (laughs) It's one of those things though, that if you haven't been caving, you you don't don't get it. Yeah, that's right. There's,
1: there's this, there's this excitement of discovery and stuff that, that, you know,
0: (laughs) it's, it's really a neat experience, but, um, it's one that I haven't enjoyed for 30 years. So, uh. So I thought of, well, the nature shows, because I, I watch a lot of nature shows. I just, I like them. And, uh, but it, it, the learning will never stop. Just like the learning about all these different planets and, uh, galaxies that are around us. Oh Uh, yeah. Hopefully that we'll be able to explore. uh,
1: I know. But it just goes on and on and on forever. (laughs) Yeah. The, 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 you know, physicists, well cosmologists, uh, you know currently have 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 no indication that there is a physical you know end of the universe that the universe is not physically infinite they they have every everything that they can figure out indicates that the universe is physically infinite which of course it can be there's no re- problem for yep. god making it that way you know so um i don't know but i've kind of ex- i've exhausted what i have to say on the trinity uh only okay. took me uh an hour and 20 minutes
0: um now you understand the trinity
1: well at least as well as i do which <laughs> is like you know maybe a a tiny part of uh of say uh thomas aquinas for example you know or or saint Augustine right. uh, before they passed away now now that they're in their reward they've got you know all this understanding you you know the anecdote uh you know thomas aquinas he done all this work you know these theological works and and the and and even you know other ath- thing you know he, there were a couple of uh hymns that he was commissioned to, to write and different things like that and towards the end of his life he had some kind of experience and and apparently saying of all of his work uh what did he say he said you know
0: it's all straws it, it,
1: all, all all of it is just straw yeah it's just grist or something like that um and I, I kind of always wondered about that. I, I think I've I've mentioned this kind of analogy to you before. Um, and I think it's really going to kind of be this way when we experience God after our death, uh, you know, directly. Um, you, you take somebody who um, has a wonderfully acute mind and they... You know, you can describe things to them and, and, uh, they understand and they, and, and, you know, like an, some aspect of the physical world, for example, like, uh, like color and, and light yeah. and this concept of wavelengths and, and frequencies. And he just understands all of it, but he's blind. And then take a four year old that can identify the color red. In a certain yeah. sense, that four year old, Knows way more than this super intellectual physicist guy, right. and I think in I think that's what the the encounter with God's going to be. It, in it's our, in our that death, sense we're
0: going to right uh, suddenly be able to see what had been described, and right. a, you can appreciate color for the first time.
1: It's like uh, oh.
0: and, and the beauty of it.
1: All of that Whereas mathematical was all in theory. Yeah, all that mathematical talk that's just straw. the The experience yeah. is what what it is. It's what it's about. You know, it's what it's I've, for, and so forth.
0: I've heard a lot of different theories about what he was talking about because mm-hmm. some people say that he was thinking about uh, one of the heresies and their argument. And he was over, he was thinking over their argument and how to attack it. And that he suddenly thought, well, their whole thing is made of straw. And then I've heard other people kind of say that he was reflecting on his own life and all the works that he had come up with Mm -hmm. and had suddenly realized that compared to the, say, the. The color red itself, and seeing it for the first time, all the stuff he had said was just straw. I, yeah. I heard.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't we, think we we'll even never know, know why he said. We'll never know. He said it. But it was. It, let me let me let me put it this way: if he had been granted some kind of um, gift, so, some kind of particular um, unitive experience with God, yeah, like like yeah. a unitive experience that would explain that remark in relation to all the stuff he had written. I yeah. think now what, like yeah. I said, we'll never, we'll, we'll, we'll know after we pass away, <laughs> we won't know before then. Yeah. But what we do know is that the union with the Holy Trinity, the, that participation in the interior life of God um, is going to be more wonderful than we can fathom and so or it's learning... going to be better
0: than all the nature shows in the world
1: <laughs> that's right even even mutual of omaha's wild kingdom which for me is the definition of a nature show <laughs>
0: oh my gosh i downloaded the entire series oh did you and i got it onto my uh media server here at the house mm-hmm and then there was some kind of computer mix up and I had to redo some stuff.
1: And you lost and it? And
0: no, it's still there. Oh, I can good. still watch it from my Roku, but I cannot copy the files. Really? I can't pull them off that hard drive and put them onto
1: like a flash um, or something.
0: Another hard drive to give to people.
1: That is so weird.
0: And it stinks because get, get
1: me to get me to look at it when I'm there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cause it, look, the photography compared to nowadays to what, what they're filming is, is nothing. I mean, they don't, the photography that they use now and the, the methods they use for catching these things is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get those high def, mm-hmm. uh, action videos and it's just, it's amazing. but, Compared to then, it was like you might have maybe five minutes of actual animal life that you watch. Mm -hmm. But they, there's a lot less politicizing, and there's a lot of things that you will never see on today's nature shows. Uh Uh, The you'll have to see it in order to know what I'm talking about. Aside from that, that old guy who
1: hosts the show, the narrator, they show
0: him running in and capturing animals that uh just completely oh, dangerous
1: too, yeah I mean yeah for he goes in and, stuff, and wrestles right?
0: a cheetah mm-hmm. yeah they're they're capturing cheetahs and stuff for zoos <laughs> and he goes in there and they have to him and the other guy have to go in and and first net it then try to without it being put to sleep mm-hmm it's really cool to watch some of those old shows.
1: Okay, I that's one that I want to uh, get copies from you, if, if I can figure out how to do that. So next time I'm there in yeah. Cincinnati, uh, yeah, let me have a look at that and see what I can do.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: All right. You got uh, any uh, current events?
0: Uh, kind of. I mean, we're still in these George Floyd uh, protests. Yeah. But... Uh, for most cities, it's kind of calmed down. There's no more riots. hmm Except in the really heavy uh, Democrat cities. Like, I think in New York, like, Fifth Avenue is, is barbed-wired off. Oh, really? It's like a danger zone. I don't know if that's been overcome yet or not. Uh, last I heard, Governor Cuomo was telling uh, the mayor, you need to get a handle on this. Um, wow,
1: Cuomo was was would, uh, getting the yeah, asking the mayor to crack down. That's surprising because Cuomo is a flaming liberal himself, isn't he?
0: Oh yeah, he's terrible. He's the one who shut it down before the riots. <laughs> That's right. But I think he's starting to feel the uh, the economic effects of all this. And economic New York City
1: economics is New York City. I mean, that is like the economic hub of the United States.
0: There are some people saying New York is done. It is no, no longer the Big Apple. I won't believe because that. Because how many people have been staying home and how many companies have figured out some other way stuff. to make money? That's, and yeah. it's like, why do I have to live in New York and pay $5 billion per month on a dingy little crappy apartment when I can live in uh, Cincinnati.
1: Well, okay. But you know what and tell I, commute. I think of that I think that way about whenever I look at anywhere else in the country, I think, why would anybody live there yeah. when you could live in the Midwest? <laughs>
0: yeah. I do too. But a lot of but he shut down the yeah. New York City experience for the past right. several months. Right. And I mean a lot of those places it's not like you run out of money and mm-hmm. then you can't pay rent and then what happens you know you know the all the little theaters that the, the, the like amateur theaters around new york yeah i mean i would think that a lot of these are going to be gone now mhm so I, I guess we'll have to wait and see yeah, if well, they reopen. we'll have
1: to wait but i mean new york is oh man it's
0: first it was covid-19 and now it's the the, the protests riots the riots, which are burning places down, there's some evidence that, uh, uh, what's his name, the the, the guy at Amazon is kind of using the riots against places like Target, Macy's, and his uh, competitors.
1: Oh, uh, Jeff Bezos? Yeah, because
0: mm-hmm. they're not, Amazon's, well, one, I think there one was, house got, there warehouse got warehouse down. There was a, there was a
1: distribution center, yeah, out in California, I yeah. think. But if they're gonna riot, I don't know why they don't that was that was after Amazon. Why don't they
0: loot the warehouses?
1: Yeah, Amazon was putting all of this Black Lives Matter crap on their banners for their like the Amazon Prime the Amazon video and stuff like that. And then and then these these people go and burn down their warehouse. It, you yeah. know, that's that's what tells it's me... It's just a if bunch this, of
0: animals. Right?
1: If they are. If this has nothing to do with ideologies or race or anything. This is just a bunch of people who want to act like... I, I, I don't even want to say they act like animals. Because animals can be destructive, but they're never purposely destructive. This yeah. is a bunch of people who want to act lower than animals. This is you know, just they're, evil. It's like all these statues they're pulling down. There's this guy, this statue... I. Forget the guy's name, but it's like he's some guy who they. Um, it's like 30 years before the abolitionist movement really got started in the South, he was right. spending his fortune to try to end slavery, and they yeah. defaced his statue and put a noose over it. There's this other statue, yeah. some um, you know, some regiment. I I forget what which war or whatever, but but this regiment. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether it was the commander or just like a a, uh, a commemoration of the regiment or whatever. They they pulled it down, toppled it, defaced it, whatever. And then people went and looked it up and found a picture of the regiment. It was an all-black regiment. Yeah. These people are not trying to express any kind of of solidarity with an ideology or anything like that. They're just acting lower than animals. That's all they're doing.
0: Yeah. And that brings us to Seattle, where they've yeah. taken over six city blocks and have declared themselves separate from the U.S.
1: I which... i don't think that has anything to do with them. Uh, you know, here's what I think. I think that's a bunch of people that got together and they said, you know what? We want to get in the Guinness Book of World Records. We are going to form a nation... With only four-letter name that is smaller than the country of Chad, and we'll call it Chaz. Okay, you don't well, find that funny, I, I, no. oh, that because good everybody good makes chance. fun of everybody makes fun of Chad. This is the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Chaz. In fact, yeah. I, I was thinking of I, I was thinking of doing like a uh, like a um, like upstart of the country of chad and all the things you know things that chad is doing and and you know all of this stuff going yeah. on and then like at the end of it oh wait a minute my mistake this isn't chad this is chaz <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: well uh the thing is uh They're extorting the business owners. They are putting up walls, which I thought they were against walls. Yeah, okay, Um, well, later... They're deporting people who aren't part of Chaz.
1: First thing they Uh, do is they put up walls and start deporting people. Okay, these these liberals are different from the anti-ice liberals, I guess. I don't know. Is I guess so. <laughs> Either that uh, or the liberal movement in America is schizophrenic.
0: <laughs> and and suddenly they're pro-Second Amendment because they've all got Oh, because they're walking
1: around with guns. That's right. That's right.
0: Um, it's the weirdest thing. And it is. It last is. Last I heard, Trump said, look, you've got 96 hours to get a handle on this before I do it. Wow. And... I mean, if they're declaring themselves not part of the U.S. That's then, four days. Um, then the military has pretty much freedom there to do whatever they want.
1: That's true. They can't I mean, deploy on, on national soil, but they can deploy on foreign soil. If Chaz is foreign soil, right? we'll, we'll send in the if, military. We'll annex them back into the United States.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll just take over that. That, that country block, <laughs> yeah, it's our country now. That's right. Um, see, I, I wish, I wish I'd lived close to there almost.
1: But you know so that the, I could the, um,
0: stand on top of a building and with a sniper rifle and just start picking them off. What are they going to do?
1: Yeah, but I mean, I, what I know how they're you. They're
0: killing each other.
1: I agree with the feeling, but I, I, I would have a hard time unless they're like coming right at. My home and my family. I'd have a hard time.
0: Well, no. What I'm saying is, aren't they? They're, they're hurting other people.
1: Oh yeah. If they were like in the act of hurting someone, yeah, absolutely. Then you could just start absolutely. picking them off. Start, yeah. It's like okay, and this, what they, what this guy's dragging a woman out of home. a car to rape her. I'm going to pick him off. Yeah, absolutely. I could yeah. do that. Um, which one of the things? I, you know, I saw that, uh, you know, this this area. I, I mean, the mayor's comparing it to the summer of love. As though that was a good yeah, thing. Yeah. But But uh, police, goodness. police are still getting nine one one calls in that area. People being raped and, and robbed and other violent crimes.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, and then it's, they they started a fire oh. and they asked uh, one of the other firemen to come help them put out a fire it's like what what are you guys talking about they're already asking for food they're running out of food and water and you bunch of morons that's
1: that's one of my nonsense uh that's one of my nonsense news items is that they uh they invited the uh uh, the homeless in thinking, "Oh yeah, we're gonna be a kumbaya community, and and we're gonna welcome the homeless." The homeless came in and stole all their food and ran away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow! So there's that, and then there, we got like cops has been canceled.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess. Second.
0: They canceled uh, cops. They've removed "Gone with the Wind" from uh, streaming services. Yeah, I, uh, well, here's, Disney has here's removed I, everything with a
1: so, cop. so not only everything, not everything with cops. It's anything that shows that cops can be good guys. Now, yeah. I would, I would kind of like to know um, what the politics and the political leanings of rapper Ice T are. Why? Because he plays a cop In that series uh, special The uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit
0: Oh, okay
1: A good guy cop And he's actually, yeah. he's actually a decent actor And he's actually kind of fun to watch as an actor Even though the show itself gets real preachy And I don't like that um, yeah. he, He's actually not bad But he plays a cop A good guy cop uh, is is, so is he is, gonna is, turn around? I mean, I don't know what canceled? his politics are, are at all. But is he gonna turn around yeah, and, and know. you know, like like bad mouth his role in that now or something? <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. Uh, everything's gone. Oh, NASCAR has uh, uh, said they will no longer people will no longer be allowed to display the Confederate flag. Um, I, I don't know about that. I. I don't have a real problem with that. I, a lot of people do. I I don't really have a, a horse in that race, you know what I mean?
1: I know what you mean. We're Ex- not from the except, South. Except, no, and, and, and I don't have a horse in that race, except if they're saying, well, because you can't display the Confederate flag, that means you can't. Doesn't one of the states still have that flag roughly as their state flag? I
0: don't think so. I don't oh. know.
1: There was one that, it, I mean, if it... If it doesn't, it's because, like, within the last five years, they changed it.
0: I did not know that. I, just, I, I mean, it might have I been South Carolina, which is of, the
1: secession state, or Georgia, or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know.
1: But, I mean, but it's, the thing is, under what guys are they... You know, I guess it's one of those things... Like, okay, um, if, if I were, you know, coming to visit NASCAR from, from uh, Italy, um, could I fly the Italian flag? Yeah. On the other hand, um, would you let somebody fly like the Nazi swastika flag, or would you say no? That that's in too poor taste. You can't do that. Right. Obviously, I would. You know, I mean, I would encourage NASCAR to say you can't do that. (laughs) I I I don't personally feel I I feel offended by the Confederate flag. At the same time, like you said, I don't really have a horse in that race, so I don't know. Yeah,
0: I not being southern, they might feel a certain way about. I don't know, but they did rebel, and we did beat them.
1: Yeah, but you know, and then you got like uh, like Charlie Daniels eliminated Charlie Daniels song, "The South's Going to Do It Again" kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, but then he's got his other song about, you know, America. And yeah, we may have our internal, internal squabbles, but, but you know, right? the rest of you better leave us alone kind of thing. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't uh, know what
0: to say about all that.
1: Yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't have strong feelings, <laughs> certainly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, and then we've got uh, just a bunch of more of that kind of stuff. There's nothing, it's almost like nothing happened. Uh, other than George Floyd things that came out of the George Floyd I, and they're doing it all over the world now I mean there's, yeah, there's yeah, riots like, uh, in London and it, and okay. they keep calling them peaceful protests and it kind of gets on my nerves because, because
1: like, property's being damaged what exactly and people are, are they being protesting? killed and, I yeah well I don't um, call that peaceful and then you've got Joe Biden being stupid yeah <laughs> He's <laughs> oh yeah, he. He doesn't know what's going. Not on. He, what? What was his quote? Something about not even the death of of Martin Luther King had the same worldwide repercussions as the death of George Floyd or whatever. It's like I didn't hear that. What is your point? Are you are you just pointing out how stupid the world is today, or what? You know what? <laughs> it's like he doesn't
0: know. I saw him in he,
1: like a. He's like he, he was on
0: the View. Senile. And he's senile. It was embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. They, they asked him about the the, the things he did the girls and stuff and if he would apologize he spent like five minutes not being able to say anything he he would keep beginning oh, begin to start talking. And, then, and get halfway into a sentence, and then stop,
1: and then have and to then, figure out a new sentence to, to start. Right, because he
0: real—I don't think he understood what he was saying or why he was saying it. People he used to make fun of uh, Ronald Reagan good, but, for,
1: for being old. Yeah, that was nothing compared to yeah. Biden.
0: Yeah, it's weird. But uh, oh, and then the, the, in London, they defaced a, a statue of uh, what's this? Churchill.
1: Winston Churchill?
0: Yeah. What's that got to do with anything? This guy saved Europe. Yeah. He oh, man. He, he almost, almost by himself.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I,
0: so many politicians wanted to give in to the Nazis. The Nazis. And which, he's the one who, I mean, it wasn't him only. He knew that the citizens didn't want to. Right. And he...
1: The politicians uh, wanted to out of expediency, them. yeah.
0: But he was—he saved Europe. There would be no Europe if he hadn't done what he did.
1: Well, Europe would be and a lot defacing, different than it is. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it would all be Nazi Germany, right? In hell, by now it might even be Nazi America.
1: I have a hard time believing that they would have. Been capable of that, but I'm thinking it might have been like okay. <laughs> without him, yeah, y- you might have you might have three three large powers in the world: Nazi Europe, uh, Japanese Asia, and North America.
0: Or by now it might be Chinese Asia.
1: Well, the Japanese, I mean, Japan were the one- had had,
0: I- had fought off uh, China several times, hadn't they?
1: Yeah, but Japan was the one were the ones who were on the. The the track for world domination. They were the ones who were yeah. invading China. Yeah. But anyway, well, that's yeah. I that is, Churchill. That's uh, it, and it just shows you they have insane. no idea what they're doing. They're just acting sub animal. They're acting even yeah. beneath the animals. It's
0: uh. It, it's sad that it's it's not just sad that it's happening. It's sad that it's being excused. Like yeah. so many people in public.
1: Right, right. It, it's like there's... there's
0: if, if there's some kind of legitimacy to all of this. Right,
1: yeah. It's, that it's I, disgusting that it's being legitimized by people.
0: I, I, we just need a lot of prayers, and let's hope that our, our one lifeline right now for the world, not just here in America, but the entire planet, our only lifeline right now is Donald Trump.
1: I know. And, I mean, Let's say know, Donald he, Trump wasn't I mean, gosh, there. he's... Uh, yeah. Let's say Hillary Clinton had won the election in 2016. Where would we be? I, we, we would be standing would be on our no, porches with shotguns at this point.
0: Yeah. It would be every man for himself yeah. because the entire world... There's no hope of saving America anymore or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's like we just got to somehow exist... On our own, try to stay connected so that we can help each other. But there would be no hope for America,
1: right? If right.
0: not for one man right now, yeah. And every Catholic who does not do everything he can to keep Donald Trump in power, I think is there's a uh, lot of de- there's of the a problem. lot of deaths,
1: a lot of blood on their hands. Those who would not keep Donald yeah. Trump in power. This is the. That's the bottom this line is of the it. the man this, this,
0: standing this, against complete evil domination of yeah. everything. I
1: mean, it's it's so weird, it's bizarre, it's it's surreal that even even you know just the idea that presidential elections in America could take on such a drastic moral flavor, but it right. really is a moral choice now. You you either and, and support Trump or you have blood on your hands. That's the option. It, it
0: might be the first time in history that it's like this.
1: That it's become that it, distinct, that binary. Yeah, s- exactly. Some
0: people may have talked about you know like Nixon and Carter or, or not Carter, but uh, whoever. It, some people may have thought that during oh, the 60s. Uh, yeah, but and it was maybe the, even during this uh, during uh, Ray, uh Lincoln's. Uh, election. Oh, Lincoln Douglas.
1: Oh, by the way, I heard something interesting. Completely side note uh, off topic. Lincoln's uh, first wife, Mary Todd, uh, she was actually courted before she married Lincoln by his opponent, Douglas. Oh. That's kind of weird. Kind of weird. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. I didn't know that. But yeah, no, I I, I see what you're... I mean, people may have... There may have been a little bit of it it with Lincoln... Uh, I think there probably was with but Lincoln. that was if just you, in America you know, if you understood about slavery, yeah, you needed to support Lincoln that there was a it was that, a moral... but that was just in America yes exactly
0: this is worldwide
1: yeah. yeah evil is
0: going to be stopped if we keep Trump in office mm-hmm. and evil will not be stopped if we let Trump slip away yeah it's so weird. And I, I don't deify people like this, but no, it's, I'm sorry, it's just he's like, the only one. You look, Yeah,
1: everybody else is knuckling under. Actually, you know, I have not uh, looked to see... What about Boris Johnson in England? What? Who's that? English Prime Minister.
0: Oh, I don't even know. I don't...
1: I'm gonna look up Boris Johnson and see what he's he, saying.
0: Even if he's uh, trying to put a stop to it, um,
1: Boris Johnson has vowed to crack down on the rioters. Well, good for him. Okay, so I I think he and Trump are kind could kind of be, you know, the 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 two, um, you know, like like the the the, the, the like two towers FDR on the opposite sides of the pond, exactly, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh.
0: Yeah. Maybe. But.
1: But we need Trump.
0: It's it's Trump.
1: I we I mean if we could there, do it
0: without I mean, him, but we couldn't do not it without, without Trump. Trump. Yeah.
1: Exactly. He needs Trump. <laughs> you know. In reality. Yeah. That's he. Needs Everybody Trump. needs yeah. Trump. That and you're right. It's surreal that it would have gotten to this, but it really yeah, is and, like and, this. And
0: it's some Playboy. Some playboy millionaire.
1: I know. Going Isn't it weird that he's like it's save like, the world. It's it's like he's it, it's like a weird like a weird fiction book or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't write this stuff. I know. <laughs> well, uh,
0: that's I, that's pretty much the news. Okay, uh, but
1: I've got yeah. one more nonsense news, and this is okay. funny. Okay, what was our favorite kind of joke? Back in the eighties, uh, when we were kids, Espe- I mean, you Ethiopian. know, Ethiopian. Well, okay.
0: Remember, what's this? An Ethiopian, <laughs> the Ethiopian family. On rice. I- <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, yeah, hold up your fingers. What's this? Ethi- Ethiopian family of five. Okay, okay, second favorite, <laughs> second favorite kind of joke.
0: I don't know Lawn jokes.
1: No, okay, think along those lines, except a certain country in the world.
0: Uh, Polish joke. Bingo.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the Polish army uh inadvertently, mistakenly, uh accidentally annexed a part of the Czech Republic for a few weeks. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the Polish soldiers and these borders are not very well defined. So it's just yeah, a question yeah. of bad location. Polish soldiers crossed the border into the Czech Republic, set up a perimeter, uh, this is during the the corona pandemic kind of a thing, and were turning away Czech citizens who were trying to get to a church that is in their country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, would the, would the Polak jokes fly if this had happened back in the 80s? (laughs) Yeah, I like that. There's a
0: Barney Miller where uh, they're they're dealing with racism because of Harris, and and uh, Barney's trying to explain uh, how Harris might be feeling. And he said something like, "Well, you wouldn't appreciate if somebody said uh, how many poles does it take to make popcorn?" And he
1: gave the answer uh, to the joke.
0: (laughs) No, he's like he's like no, And and then he. comes back and he says so how many does it take
1: (laughs) and he's like I don't want to talk about it he's like come on
0: tell me he says five five what do you mean five he says one to hold the pan four to shake the stove and he got so upset he said that's just stupid you you just move the pan around (laughs) it was a funny episode
1: Anyway, I obviously night. the Polish are apologizing all over themselves to the Czechs. We're sorry we attacked you. We're sorry we annexed part of your country for a couple of weeks. We'll give it back. Here you go. What if Canada accidentally I mean, the thing annexed is, Detroit? If it was any other country than Poland, I mean, having grown up the way we it did. It would be
0: inexcusable anywhere else. Uh, They'd be like,
1: man, they attacked us. Uh, start I a whole war. It, yeah. Ah, there's Poles. Doesn't it put you in mind of like, like something like Canadian Bacon or something? You've seen that movie, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, I have not seen that movie. But I've seen... Oh, really?
1: Uh, Oh, you should go watch uh, the movie. Bob and Doug
0: McKenzie's Strange Brew.
1: Oh, well, you know, I didn't see Strange Brew. Anyway. You didn't see Strange Brew? No, should I? How much? How many beers, how many yeah. dandrums do I need to have before I watch Strange Brew? I,
0: you know, I don't know, because I, I saw it when I was 16 and I laughed. I know, but I when you're 16, when 30,
1: you will laugh at I something laugh. that you have to have eight beers to laugh at when you're 30.
0: Yeah, I know, but here's the thing. I saw it again last year.
1: (laughs) And you thought it was funny? And I
0: laughed all over again.
1: Without drinking?
0: Without drinking or anything. It was just, it was stupid funny, but it was still funny.
1: Okay, I'm going to have to download that and watch it. Um,
0: All right, and I'll do Canadian Bacon.
1: By the way, speaking of, yeah, go watch Canadian Bacon. By the way, um, I had seen it a couple times. And the last time I saw it was the first time that I noticed it's directed by Michael Moore. Ah. Now, here's the thing. Once I saw that, I thought, okay, this guy...
0: No, I don't like it.
1: No, you need to watch it. It is really funny. He should quit taking himself seriously and completely focus on satire. He's really good at it. I I heard
0: his latest... uh, His latest... Video blows to shreds all of the eco arguments that go on. Really? About uh, electric cars and stupid idiot things like that.
1: No kidding. I, the thing yeah. about the thing about Michael Moore, but his
0: his end idea is the only way to fix this is to have less human beings.
1: Yeah, he's he's an idiot. If you, but he's sincere. What do you, I don't know. What do you call it, sincere idiot? Uh, he at least be- yeah. he he will not say stuff that he does not believe. Yeah. Even to get even to garner you know public favor right. or whatever. Okay. I he I did have to grant Trump that. Election. Oh, he did. I'm sure he, he predicted said that as that as a tragedy. you guys
0: are making conservatives mad, and the the way they were pointing to the fact that everything. A conservative says he's racist and things like that. He was pointing to that before the election, saying, "You're going to get this guy elected if you don't knock it off."
1: So he, well, interesting. So he's he's saying he
0: understood the position of conservatives
1: and the and the the backfire power of of I guess what you would say is irresponsible rhetoric, right? Huh? Interesting. I I think Michael Moore is a lot more complex character than than people who just write him off want to give credit for. But when it comes to satire, he's good. He's funny. And Canadian Bacon is a funny movie.
0: Okay, I'll watch it.
1: Plus, I mean, it's got John Candy. I don't know if you like John Candy or not.
0: I love John Candy. Okay,
1: he's... (laughs) For nothing else than John Candy... Candy watch yeah, Canadian I'll watch bacon. It because of John Candy. <laughs> and I'll actually go watch Strange Brew.
0: <laughs> yeah. And also watch where folks were I wanted to do one on on Vietnam.
1: We eventually. will. We will. It but, will be part uh, of a series we're going to come come out with on the United States.
0: Yeah. Uh, but Danny has to watch the Ken Burns uh, documentary on Vietnam that I sent him yes. because it's a really good documentary. But that'll be later. Yep. Um, what do, do we have anything planned for next week yet?
1: Uh, no, but you know what? I uh, am in place to start on the uh, our series on the United States. Okay. Um, and, you know, specifically what what I could talk about, and if you come up with something different that you want to talk about, that's fine, but... One of the aspects of the United States, and of course this is a podcast about Catholic things, is that there was a thing called the Americanist heresy that was condemned by Pope Leo the Thirteenth and some other popes. Um yeah. uh, we can't really talk about the United States as from a Catholic perspective without talking about that heresy. Uh I right. think what there is to say about that is really interesting in light of things that are going on today. So I would like to talk about that. Maybe we can launch our okay. series on America with that next week. Well, unless you're ready to talk then, about, think
0: about this. How does that fit in with, uh, should we do that before or after we talk about
1: the founding, um, the establishment, you know, like the Mayflower, founding, the Mayflower the, before America was America. Colonies. Yeah. Let's yeah. right. Let's you know we should because we should do something like that. Because there's an awful lot that happened. We should do that first. Or let's yeah. let's 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 do that first. We'll we'll save the Americanist heresy okay. for a little bit later because that's really more like towards the end of the 19th century. Yeah. So.
0: Okay, so we're giving people a taste. We're going to talk about history. I will try everything in my power to make it interesting to people who don't really care a whole lot for history.
1: Hey, you know what? People who don't care about history don't know about history.
0: Yeah, especially American history. Yeah. I, there, there's so much there and this country same this country beat all the odds and we came so close to not being not existing. And it I'm convinced very, that it's an act of God. It's
1: very difficult not to see the hand of God when you right. when you consider everything. Yeah. It's like the only way you can not see the hand of God is by not believing in God.
0: And it all culminates with Trump fighting the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, are are, are we at one of those, like, t- turning, like, uh, forks in the road where, like, it's going to go entirely one way or entirely other, the other way based on things that happen yeah. this year, maybe, you know?
0: Yeah, it's scary. But, okay. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right, guys. Think about what we said and uh,
1: circle the beads (laughs) more than ever, man.
0: Yeah.
1: And by the way, guys, we'll see you next week. Real quick note on that: as you're praying your rosaries, uh, we we call out stupidity and we call out stupid people and we call out the stupid writers and that kind of thing. But in reality, every single person is called to holiness, even though most people reject that call when you're circling the beads pray for the people who are doing the most damage too. yeah because in in there there may be that one person who's going to become I mean think about like like uh Dr. Nathanson the the abortionist performed tens of thousands of abortions became an advocate against abortion ultimately converted to Catholicism Before his death, you know, God rest his soul. uh, In every sphere of of life, every sphere of insanity, there may be that other Dr. Nathanson waiting for somebody to pray for them. Right. As you circle the beat. Push him over the edge. Keep that in mind. All right. That's it, guys. All right. Thanks. Bye.